Welcome to the Self-Care Goddess Podcast, brought to you by me, Rita Savoya, founder of Savoya Self-Care Holistic Wellness. I'm a certified nutritionist and a holistic wellness coach for midlife women who want to rediscover their happier, sexier selves naturally without pills or side effects so that they can thrive as they age. I'm also the creator of the Savoya Self-Care Method, empowering women to nurture heart, mind, and body for transformative results. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to help millions of midlife women become their own health heroes. As a woman entrepreneur and a caregiver to aging parents, I fully understand the many responsibilities and generally stressful times women are living through these days, often suffering in silence, misunderstood, and putting themselves last. That's why each week I will be here for you, guiding you on your personal wellness journey, sharing expert advice from thought leaders on natural, practical, and simple solutions to help you thrive during the midlife transition. Get ready to listen to inspiring conversations about all things wellness, nutrition, mindset, mental health, fasting, hormones, menstrual cycle awareness and sinking, ancient healing strategies like meditation, mindfulness and breath work, and spirituality. Every month, I will also be featuring a small to medium-sized business to help spread the word on the amazing work they're doing so we can support them. And now, without further ado, let's get ready to rumble. Happy listening! Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, uh, self-care goddesses. Today we have a very, very special episode. I'm super excited. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about with one of my favorite people. So we have Dr. Sachin Patel. Welcome and thank you for holding space uh, for us today and for our listeners. And it's uh, it's going to be an absolute pleasure uh, to have you on the show and to share your experiences and all the good stuff that you're doing. And and today's a really special episode because I really I want to invite our listeners to listen to this with an open mind because you may you just may uh, maybe perhaps challenge or question your beliefs about um, reality and about how powerful our beautiful mind is to help us on our healing journey. So listen to this podcast and I know you will beautiful ladies with an open mind and without further ado let me introduce our special guest today Dr. Sachin Patel. He is a Father, husband, philanthropist, functional medicine practice success coach, speaker, author, and plant medicine advocate. Sachin is convinced that the doctor of the future is the patient. And I love that. And he has committed himself to helping others raise their consciousness, activate their inner doctor, and initiate their deepest healing through the use of lifestyle, breath work, and respectful utilization of psilocybin. Sachin founded the Living Proof Institute, through which he pioneered a revolutionary approach to patient-centered healthcare. Sachin co coaches hundreds of practitioners around the world so that they are empowered to deliver affordable and inspired care to their communities through his Perfect Practice Mentorship Program. He is an advocate of transforming the healthcare paradigm, and he has devoted his life to the betterment of healthcare for both patients and practitioners. Welcome, 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 and thank you again for, I can't thank you enough for being here today. So thank you and welcome. How are you today? Rita, well, it's my pleasure. And I am fantastic. You know, I've spent all morning landscaping and gardening and spending time in the sun, meditating. So nice. it's been a fantastic start to the day. And what better way to continue that day than 
help uh, spit some truth, some knowledge, share some information that can inspire people, but more importantly, change and transform their lives. So thank you for holding space for this conversation. And I'm delighted to get started and, and really uh, provide people with practical things that they can do to tap into what I call their billion dollar body. So thank you again. Okay, awesome. I like that billion dollar body. So before we start, I like to walk the talk. So we're going to do a quick coherence technique that's from the HeartMath Institute. And just to sort of get ourselves aligned and in harmony, our heart, our mind, our body, also so that our listeners and you know, you don't have to do this with your eyes closed. So don't worry if you're driving, you can totally do this, just so that you become you're in a more calmer state. And then when we're in a calmer state, we're more receptive, and we can absorb all this amazing information that we're going to be sharing with you today. So if we want to just sort of relax, relax our shoulders, relax our bodies and take a deep breath in from the belly. So in through the nose and out through the nose, relaxing our shoulders, doing it a couple more times in through the nose, deep belly breaths and out through the nose. And as we continue this deep belly breathing, focusing our attention and our breath in the area of the heart and perhaps even putting our hand there to connect with our heart. And as we continue heart-focused breathing, I invite you to make a sincere attempt to experience gratitude and appreciation for taking the time out of your day and carving out some self-care time to listen to this podcast for all the amazing people in your life and for all the little things that we often take for granted. And slowly take a deep breath in and come back to us. Thank you for that. <laughs> that usually sets me up for a really, really good day <laughs> whenever I, I do anything. So, and you're familiar with the heart math. Um, techniques. So they're really powerful, quick, powerful. You don't need to be meditating or sitting under a tree. You can do that anytime you're feeling a bit um, out of your element or frustrated. <laughs> uh, it's always great to check in. So I, exactly. I, love, I love breathing. Of course, we all do. And sometimes we do it unconsciously. Sometimes we do it consciously. And it's the master override in the nervous system that uh, we have available to us any given moment. So thank you for, thank you for doing that. No, you're welcome. Very welcome. So let's start with, with this. Tell us your story. How, how did you get to where you are today? And, and maybe even more importantly, why? Why are you doing what you're doing? Sure. So I'll, I'll share this parts of my story that I feel would probably be most relevant for today's conversation. So I'm originally trained as a chiropractor. And as a chiropractor, one of our key tenets is we believe in this concept called innate intelligence. And innate intelligence is essentially this idea that there is this energy, this intelligence that animates the entire universe from every cell in our body to our organs, to our systems, to us as human beings. And there's this innate intelligence that also permeates into the plant kingdom into the fungal kingdom, into everything that you see around us. And so that's one of the first things that I want to make very clear is that I believe in that 
uh, innate intelligence is that governing energy of everything. And so uh, from that is where everything emerges. And so with that philosophy, I started practicing as a chiropractor but more on the sports medicine side of things, because I also loved helping athletes. And, uh, you know, you could see instantaneously the uh, implications of working with these people because they could run faster, throw harder, their pain would go away. And, you know, I started off doing that. And for a couple of years, I thought I had my dream job until I was on the news. And we did a story about, uh, the story was done on our practice about uh, elbow pain. So a lady named Connie came in to see us, had chronic elbow pain had seen multiple therapists, multiple surgeons, you know, orthopedists, nobody was able to help her. And we were using a soft tissue technique called active release at the time that was getting great results. So for us, it was no big deal, just another day at the office, but it turns out the news caught wind of it and wanted to do a story on, on our practice. And the, the resulting, uh, you know, events that took place after that were quite interesting because my boss at the time uh, was originally offered to do the story, but she had frozen on live television prior to that. And so she passed the opportunity on to me. And here I am like two years out of school. Okay, I'm going to be on the news. Like this is a fantastic opportunity. And I'm sharing all this because it was, and it was a great experience. And the phone just kept ringing after that story aired. However, the people that came in were not, I was not equipped to help them. So we went from overnight seeing some of the healthiest people in our community, because let's face it, marathon runners, athletes, these people are pretty healthy. They're looking for an edge. Uh, and all of a sudden, the people that were calling and making appointments were coming in with walkers, coming in with debilitating pain, coming in with a laundry list of medications that they were on. And frankly, I didn't know what to do with them. So, you know, there's some stories that jump out at me and stick out at me. But there was only one person that actually had elbow pain. So you're just kind of like, wait a minute, this is great, but this is not great because I don't know what to, I don't know how to help these people. And there's no more gutting of a feeling as a practitioner when you can't help somebody and also you don't know where to refer them to. So after doing a careful examination of these people and realizing I can help them, my job and duty and responsibility becomes okay, who can I refer them to that can help them? And unfortunately, they had seen every specialist, they had had every scan, they had tried every medication. My wife was a pharmacist at the time and still is, but you know, I was contacting her and I'm like, what can we do for these people? Because I can't you know, rub or stretch or mobilize these problems away. They're happening at such a deep cellular level. And in hindsight, I just realized that nobody was being taught how to help people this way. You know, it wasn't part of medical school. It wasn't part of naturopathic school. It wasn't part of chiropractic school. And around the same time as serendipity would have it, I'm referring all these, trying to refer these people elsewhere. And I start getting emails from a gentleman named Dr. Ron Grossanti. And in the headline of his emails and the subject of his emails, he's describing all the diagnoses that I was seeing. So he was sharing case studies on psoriasis, case studies on digestive issues, case studies on chronic headaches. And I started opening up the emails and looking at his process of helping diagnose and not diagnose, but identify kind of the underlying mechanisms of their challenges. And I'm like, wait a minute, like, this is pretty amazing. And this guy's a chiropractor. I wonder if I can do this because mm -hmm. my philosophy has always been that way. Even working with sports athletes, uh, athletes and, and weekend warriors, it was always, how do we find the root cause? And we were looking at the root cause from a structural standpoint in those clients. And now, you know, functional medicine, which is what I learned the term was after studying his work, uh, allows us to work with people at a root cause level, at a cellular, biological, genetic, environmental level. And it was, so it, was a, it became a natural extension of my philosophy, which is, okay, what's the root cause? Let's tap into this innate intelligence that permeates into everything in our bodies. And let's see if we can troubleshoot and help people feel better. 
But when I realized he was a chiropractor and that it was within my scope to order these types of lab testing, then a whole new world of opportunity opened up for me. And that's when I started learning about functional medicine. I became one of the first graduates of Functional Medicine University. I was part of the first graduating class, uh, which I'm proud to say. So I've been doing this for quite some time, continue to learn, continue to evolve. And, you know, one thing led to another, eventually opened up my own functional medicine, um, you know, clinic, and then moved back to Toronto, where I'm originally from, opened up a, a center here. And then that's evolved into coaching practitioners and coaching them in a way that introduces them to a very simple, practical, affordable, and elegant solution to most people's chronic health challenges, which is self-care and kind of tapping into their own innate healing potential without the use or minimal use of supplementation, no medications and, you know, no pills, potions, or, you know, or magic shakes. It's really about going back to the fundamentals and the basics. And what we found through this process is that we are so far removed from what our needs are as human beings, that getting healthy doesn't have to be complicated. It can actually be really simple. Uh, it doesn't have to be fancy. We don't need any new technology to be invented for us to get healthy. Everything we've ever needed to be healthy has already existed. But the problem is we've always been delegating that responsibility to somebody else. And after, you know, uh, you know, several decades of us relying on big pharma to find solutions for us and not finding even a single one. Like last time I checked, there's no cure for cancer. There's no cure for heart disease, no cure for diabetes. So clearly what we're doing isn't working. And what I realized is nobody's going to come and save us. We've got to, you know, really save ourselves and not even save ourselves, but really create an amazing life. And the only way to actually do that is, is to, you know, learn how capable we are and then tap into that capability and live it each and every single day. Amazing. Yes. And the work that you're doing with the mentorship, and that's how I met you, is amazing. I'm part of the mentorship and it's super helpful and it's helping so many people help so many people. So it's just such an amazing mission that you're on. And I'm so grateful and happy that I came across uh, your beautiful work. So this is a nice little segue because mindset matters when it comes to tapping into that innate intelligence. That's probably where we need to start is with the mindset. And that's why I'm so passionate about this, uh, this topic and this area of, of self-healing. So tell us from your experience, why, do, why does it matter in order to create this meaningful, purposeful life um, in your opinion? And maybe perhaps let's back up. What is mindset? What, what is that exactly? Yeah, the way I would define mindset is our worldview. And the, our worldview is how we look at the world, how we look at you know, ourselves, how we look at other people, how we look at circumstances, situations, opportunities. You know, when chaos strikes, you know, what's our perspective and what's our worldview on that situation? So for me, it's about you know, mindset sounds very rigid, Right. And what I believe is that we need to be very flexible. We need to be uh, very, uh, you know, uh, intuitive, right? So it's not rigid like some people might think. It's really about being fluid, being intuitive, being what I would call tapped in. And, you know, not only to the world around you, but uh, into yourself. And our mindset really comes from an important age in our lives where most people don't realize is shaping and influencing their worldview, which is between the age of zero and eight. And if so, if people haven't read Bruce Lipton's book, The Biology of Belief, that's what I'm referencing right now. Uh, what he understood, there it is. Yeah, I'm not surprised you have it, right? So what he talked about is, uh, what he talks about and discusses is that our worldview 
uh, is shaped between the age of zero and eight. And oftentimes who are around the TV shows that we're watching, you know, the movies that we're watching, the words that we're hearing our parents say, the way we're watching them communicate, all of that shapes what our beliefs are, what our values are. And uh, the, those and our experiences are, and those are the three things that kind of shape our mindset growing up. So, you know, way, the way we communicate to ourselves, the way we communicate to one another, the way we look at money, the way we look at, um, you know, uh, people from different races, like all that stuff, you know, stems from what we were exposed to and what was acceptable behavior and rewarded behavior between the age of zero and eight. And so no matter how much we try not to become our parents, we eventually do because they program that code. And for those of you that are not raised by your parents, maybe you're raised by grandparents or a loved one, you know, essentially whoever you're surrounding yourself with between the age of zero and eight is extremely, extremely critical. Um, and a lot of times we have to kind of go, go in through different uh, modalities, whether it's plant medicine or breath work or, uh, you know, psychotherapies or psych K, whatever the, whatever the intervention is, um, you know, it matters, but it doesn't matter for this conversation. Some of that work needs to be done in order for us to reprogram that subconscious mind, just like our phone, right? My phone, you know, just recently got an update. So there's a software update that took place and, you know, that upgrades the features and it allows for better battery life and all those things. And guess what? The same thing applies to us as human beings, right? If we're running the same code from like 1980 <laughs> and it's 2021 now, then there are, there's probably some junk software that's running, malware that's running in the background that's sucking up our energy. There's probably thoughts that we're having that we haven't you know, really metabolized through emotionally. And so they keep popping up, taking up space, taking up energy, taking up time, uh, taking up resources. So a lot of times we have to find a tool or a resource that puts that behind us so that we can have the right mindset and the right, you know, worldview of what I believe gratitude and abundance. Those are the worldviews that I try to strive on. And those are the sides of the, that's the side of the coin that I try to look on. Like everything has a negative, right? So it can't, something can't be positive unless there's a negative to it. Yeah. And it's just a mathematical principle. And, uh, you know, so if everything has a negative, has a positive, let's focus on the positive, be aware that there's a negative, but focus on the positive. And the mind, as we've understood it up to this point, has been a receiver, right? So we look at the brain as a receiver of information. However, receiving that information, there's a mind that processes it, right? Like that voice that you have inside of your head, that conversation with, that you're having with yourself or with your creator, with God, with your mind, so to speak, that is separate from the hardware, right? That's the consciousness. That's the software. And just like a computer has hardware and software, just like there's a program that we're running right now to even have this conversation together, there's also hardware that's making it possible, right? So the hardware is the video camera and the microphone and the keyboard and the computer screen and the actual you know, components and the physical components that make up the computer. But running that is also software, and the software tells the hardware what to do. It, it interprets the information that's coming in. So when I type on my keyboard, the software is interpreting the information and then putting it up onto my screen. And so what's unique about the human body is that in our case, the software builds the hardware mm. and the software also controls the hardware. And so there's this amazing, uh, you know, capability that we have that if we can tap into this, then we can actually re 
create, rebuild, restructure our body. I mean, we're already doing it, right? Based on our belief systems, we're already doing it. So if you believe that as I get older, I'm going to have these problems, guess what? You will have those problems, right? Congratulations. <laughs> if, you, if you believe that you don't have to have these issues, right? And it's not even that what you don't believe, because the mind can't think in negatives, it's what you do believe, right? It's not, you know, what you prevent, you essentially fuel and energize, right? So we want to actually focus on what is it that we're trying to create? So even with health, you know, the, my goal is never to prevent an illness. It's never to prevent a disease. I'm not, you know, I'm not going for a walk to prevent diabetes. I'm not going for a walk to prevent cancer. I'm going for a walk so I can enhance my creativity. I can exercise my lymphatic tissue. I can promote my well-being. I can reset my circadian rhythm. You know, those are the reasons that I'm going for a walk so that I can do something, not so that I can prevent something. So just like if you start a business, you don't operate that business under the guise of, well, I'm going to make this sale so I don't go bankrupt. You make the sale because you want to help people, impact people in a positive way and create a profitable business. So the a mindset that we have towards ourselves, towards our health, towards every situation is so vital and critical and deterministic in the outcome uh, as well. So I know that's a long-winded answer to what <laughs> mindset is, but hope that gives people a little bit of context of why it's so important. And uh, maybe we can talk about like, you know, how to really tap into that and, and uh, exactly. make, a, make an impact. So but uh, When you're ahead. talking about the software, we're talking about the subconscious mind, not the conscious mind, because we're operating in the conscious mind only about 5% of the times as Bruce Lipton um, eloquently quotes all the time. And then 95 is that subconscious, that programming. So that's, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, and it's really a combination of both, right? So right now, there's this Zoom window that's open on my computer, but there's stuff going on in the background, Yeah, right? Which I'm not paying attention to because this right now is the most important thing that I'm doing. So I want to be, I want to bring this window to the front, right? Of all the other things that I could have open or all the other things that are going on in the background. And I want to focus my attention here. So it really starts if we can't master the conscious mind, which is really the thing that we have full control over. Yeah. There's no way we'll be able to master the unconscious mind. So it starts there, right? Let's master that one to 5%. And then if we, if we can, because it's going to take our conscious mind to even look up, who am I going to call to help me with this, right? It's going to take our conscious mind to continue listening to this conversation and then do something about it, right? And our unconscious mind is going gonna, is gonna to be in the background, you know, waiting for the command to take place, but if we don't have control over our conscious mind, then we will let our subconscious rule us, right? We can always override the subconscious. However, the default setting is that the unconscious, the subconscious mind runs the show. And how do we do that? How do we control our conscious mind? Well, you just do, right? Is it so, by the present moment and just by... Being pre yeah, being present, right? So a lot of times, you know, it, I think of, think of it like driving, Right. So when you're driving a car, the unconscious mind, I would equate to all the thousands of moving parts that are taking place that you have no control or awareness of, right? So I'm just going to assume the brakes are working. I'm going to assume the exhaust is doing its job. The transmission is doing its job. The pistons are firing. The cooling system's working, right? That's all happening unconsciously. What am I doing consciously is driving, yeah. right? So take control of the wheel, and if I were to drive and steer the wheel for what's coming up ahead, I'd be in trouble, right? So I got to steer the wheel in real time. I got to be present in real time. The moment I start going into the past or into the future, 
is the moment I lose that game of controlling the uh, conscious mind. The conscious mind only exists in the present moment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the unconscious mind is what wants to distract us and take us away. And, you know, the, you know, one of the things that, um, creates anxiety is thinking into a negative future. And one of the things that creates depression is thinking that our past is what defines us instead of what refines us. So, um, you know, being present, being in the moment, and then steering that wheel, right? Making those micro adjustments. Like when you drive, when you're going straight, you don't just hold the wheel straight, right? You're constantly making these micro adjustments because the road and the to navigate requires that. And detaching emotion from decision as well. So just going back to the car analogy, if my GPS tells me, hey, you got to take a left here, I don't get emotional about it. <laughs> right? I get emotional if I don't know where I'm going, yeah. right? If I don't have control of, over the wheel, right? Or if I'm sitting in the passenger seat and somebody else is driving and they're going in the wrong direction, then I start getting, you know, it's easy to get agitated or annoyed or frustrated and start like, oh, you're going in the wrong direction. But if you're in full control, and you've got this North Star that's guiding you, then it becomes really easy. It's just as easy as driving when you know what you're doing. So what are people doing wrong then? Why? Okay, definitely because we haven't been taught this for sure. And there's not enough. I mean, now there are, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe 20 years ago, there wasn't any talk of this. So what are some mistakes that you see from, from people that are not sort of adopting this, um, this new way of thinking? Yeah. I mean, the greatest gift that we have individually is our ability to focus and be present. And that's what's being robbed from each and every one of us, mm-hmm. right? Like people have an attention span that's shorter than a goldfish. I know. So, so to <laughs> do this work. Stick, yeah, I believe yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So to do this work requires presence. It requires intense focus, right? It requires a desire, and most people, and I'm going to say this, you know, very bluntly, but most people uh, don't want, you know, to be focused. They want to be distracted because that's what numbs their pain. Mm. So a lot of times the people that are most resistant to doing this work are the ones that are so numb and they're so used to numbing how they feel and disconnecting from their emotions. That's where their comfort zone is. And what I tell people is your comfort zone is where your dreams go to die. So a lot of it, a lot of doing this work is going to require us to get out of our comfort zone, um, to really seek that higher truth, right? And, you know, realize that, you know, they say YOLO and I kind of say, yeah, you only live a thousand times, right? Um, And you only live once if you do it right. Otherwise, you just keep coming back, right? You got you to gotta live out that karma in some way, shape, or form. But uh, it requires, you know, it requires a desire, a burning desire to live your best life. Because none of this, while it can be easy, right? Taking that first step is really the hardest part. Making that commitment to yourself and saying yes to you and no to everything else that doesn't make you the best version of you. Mm. And because most people have been saying yes to all the things that have led them to the point where they are right now, saying yes to themselves becomes very difficult and challenging. So you really have to have a burning desire to find and unlock that next level version of yourself, which exists inside all of us. Even inside me, there's a next level version like that Russian doll, right? You just keep Mm -hmm. opening up and there's like, there's something else there, right? And there's something else there and there's something else there and all the way down to the, you know, essence of who we are, you know? So, you know, I believe that it's a burning desire to, to, and that requires intense focus. It requires, you know, that, uh, 
um, that willingness to participate and take some sort of meaningful action, but it also requires a willingness to burn the necessary bridges because, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's also hard to do for people as well. Like they might have family members that they need to stop, you know, spending so much time around or friends that are no longer serving them or circumstances like their job that's no longer serving them. And sometimes people are trapped in these situations, right? They're financially trapped, emotionally trapped, physically trapped. Um, and, you know, when you start becoming the best version of you, sometimes you have to be, you have to be open and receptive to the idea that those things are probably uh, going to change as well. And for some people that can be very uncomfortable. Mm, for sure. And I think that's why a holistic approach is super important because it's not just that mindset, like neurochemically stuff could be going on because of the food that you're eating. That's mm-hmm. obviously not allowing you to be that best ver- ver- version of yourself or motivating you to do these things, right? So, or you're not exercising enough and the blood flow is not circulating properly or you're not detoxing properly. So, you got all these toxins in your body. So, that holistic approach to the well-being is super, super important. So it's kind of people can start this wellness journey at different points. I think, you know, maybe they can start with food because that's really what happened with me. I started with food and then realizing this whole, wow, realm of other things that I could be doing when then Mm -hmm. the mindset came in. And then I'm sure I'm going to, like you said, sort of, you know, create uh, better and uh, better versions of myself through these other modalities with these other sort of avenues. So that's kind of why I, I'm, I do what I do is to help people. Okay. Let's start with the nutrition piece. And then naturally they would evolve into these other things, but mindset is a huge part of the programs that I run. So super, super important. Um, I heard you say once that the brain is the frequency generator of our Mm -hmm. dream life. And so can you maybe perhaps give us some tools on how, how can we tap into that so that we can create our dream life and create this beautiful reality that we're, you know, we're meant to live, right? Because it's so sad to just seeing people going through, you know, 1984, really just going to work, coming back, living for the weekends and really just, you know, sitting at home doing Netflix. I'm not judging, but it's just like, there's more to that, you know, and I I get it in the winter in Canada, we kind of sit more and watch TV and, and programs and stuff. But in the summer, let's get out there. Let's, you know, start living life. But again, that motivation. So what are some tools? that we can use and our listeners can use to help generate that beautiful dream life. Yeah. So what you mentioned a few things there, and I, and I want to, I want to say that one of the easiest ways that we can uh, really tap into our higher self, if you will, is by hanging around with the right people, Mm. because you want to hang around with a community of people or even just one or two people that lift you up, that inspire you, that make you want to be a better version of you. So even as we modify and change our nutrition and our diet, you know, sometimes what'll happen is some people will will improve their diet and then their friends will make fun of them. Yeah. Right. True. <laughs> They're like, oh, I could never eat that. And, My you know, family's making could... fun of me. <laughs> well, yeah, right. So yeah. so imagine now changing your diet, but then you're surrounding yourself with other people who are holding you to a higher standard and you're looking at their meals and you're like, wow, I'm curious. What is that? Like, what's the benefit of that? You know, why are you eating that? What does that do for you? You're asking the right questions instead of being around people that are going to, you know, kind of shoot you down. So the community and the company that you keep is very important. Jim Rohn says that if you hang around dogs long enough, eventually you'll have fleas. So, <laughs> so pick your, pick your friends wisely. 
Yeah. Okay. And uh, that you know, whole concept of you're the uh, average of the five people you hang around, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're the average of the five people you hang around. And one thing that people lack this day and age is a just to touch on something you spoke about is a important neurotransmitter called dopamine. And so I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about that because dopamine plays a critical role in our sense of motivation. So it's the neurotransmitter that literally makes us get up out of our desk and out of our chair. And it is very depleted in most people. Dopamine also helps us stay focused, right? So you can imagine that if somebody's dopamine is low, they're going to want to stay hibernating. They're going to want to stay on the couch and their ability to focus is going to be very low. So they're going to be amused by the television, right? If you ever watch a TV show, just sit there with a stopwatch and tell me how often the scene changes. Mm right? It's like every six seconds, the scene is changing. So essentially, we're programming their brain to think in very short blips of information. Wow, I'd never and, thought of it that way. Yeah. And then the other thing with, with uh, dopamine is it also helps us feel a sense of reward. So feeling a sense of reward may, would make sense if you're hunting something, right? So think about a hunt, right? I need to be motivated, right? To go and chase an animal. I need to be focused to chase that animal for extended periods of time or, you know, uh, days at a time in some cases. And then I feel a sense of reward, which is, you know, A, the psychological reward that takes place, but then also the physical reward that takes place because I'm eating that animal's flesh or whatever the, whatever you might be chasing or eating. And I feel a sense of reward. So that loop gets closed. Okay. So there's a closure in that loop. Whereas this day and age, right, you know, our tension spans are really low. Our focus is, you know, constantly being pulled in so many different directions. And I always say distraction destroys your destiny. So if you're constantly being distracted, it's like changing the channel on a TV, right? You're not just changing the show. You're not just changing the scene. I'm sorry. You're changing the entire show, right? So when we were young, we used to have this little slider, this uh, slider to change the channel. Mm-hmm. I'm dating myself here. We didn't even have, we didn't even have a remote, remote control at our house. And so we would have to slide the channel, uh, this, this device, and it would go from three all the way up to like 35 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so we would sit there and pretend we were like DJs and like constantly be sliding thing back and forth and the channel on the TV would change. And that's how most people's minds are. Yep. It's like, imagine changing, changing the channel every seven seconds. You'll never get an idea of what that show is by the time you come back around to it right? You'll have missed like so many pieces of the story. And so distraction is very on, you know, very, very high these days. And then the way we reward ourselves has also been compromised because a lot of food is designed to trick our reward centers and spike our dopamine levels up. Okay. So you think about the average person who goes to work, no matter how hard they bust their hump, they're getting that same paycheck, right? Every week they're actually expecting it. It's not a reward. They're expecting that paycheck. Mm-hmm. And so what does that do? So now they don't get a spike in their dopa- in their dopamine. They don't get a sense of reward. So now they turn to drugs. They turn to alcohol. They turn to Cheesecake Factory, right? They turn to pornography. They turn to things that will raise their dopamine to match the sense of reward that they want to feel. And so most of those things in today's society actually sabotage us instead of actually rewarding us. So what I encourage a lot of people to do is understand that loop of dopamine, understand that dopamine is what motivates you and then inspires you. One of the ways to raise dopamine in the morning is to get outside and get some natural sunlight. Even if it's cloudy outside, get some sunlight, that's going to raise your dopamine. 
getting a good night's rest also is going to help your brain heal so that you know you can make that dopamine in the morning. The next thing I want them to do is focus. And focus requires practice. So I practice by doing breath work. I practice by sitting and staring at my fountain, you know, for minutes at a time. And I'm just being present to that. So I'm practicing focus. We were never trained on how to do that. So We're actually trained on how not to focus. <laughs> so we have to train ourselves on how to focus uh, because our thoughts are like tuning into that television show, right? If my thoughts are bouncing all over the place, I'm never going to create the full story of what's going on. But if I can stay focused and channeled on that one channel, right, or that one thought, that one idea, now that picture is going to start to emerge. The whole story is going to start to emerge for myself. And then we want to have a reward. So how do we reward ourselves? That's important. For me, I love to buy nice things. Okay. So I'm a minimalist, but when I buy something, it's usually like something that I want to like pass on to my son, for example. So that's how I reward myself. I set ridiculous goals and I move and, you know, set, you know, set a path towards accomplishing those goals. And then I reward myself with what that uh, outcome is. Many people don't have a healthy reward system. So for example, somebody will, you know, manage their diet for a week and then they'll reward themselves by eating junk food. And you're just like, okay, now I know that this person's dopamine system is broken because they're looking for reward in all the wrong places. So I have to teach people actually how to reward themselves. So some people might be shopping, for some people it might be buying, you know, some nice jewelry to remind yourself of, of that win. Uh, for some people, it might be going on a vacation. For some people, it might be buying themselves a nice purse, whatever that is. And I like to buy things that are anchored into my life. So what that means is I'll buy something as a reward, uh, like this t-shirt, for example, right? So something simple like this, I'm going to wear this, probably have this for the rest of my life. Um, and uh, every time I wear it, it's going to remind me at an unconscious level of me accomplishing a certain task. So mm -hmm. building that reward system is also very, very important. Uh, so when we understand how the mind works, now we can start tapping into it and we can see very clearly how we're sabotaging ourselves. Most of us are spending a lot of time in indoors, not getting natural sunlight. So there, right there, we're sabotaging our ability to focus. We're not practicing our ability to focus. And then we're not rewarding that system properly. So we're actually creating broken patterns of reward. So that dopamine loop for a lot of people is broken. Mm -hmm. And in order for us to be able to be master manifestors, the key is focus. So think of a magnifying glass. I could have this huge magnifying glass and that magnifying glass only has one focal point. So at one focal point, all the, the, the rays or all the information, all that light will, sh will con uh, converge at one point. And that one point, if I shine it somewhere long enough, on something long enough, I will, I can burn down the whole forest. Yep. But if I'm just waving it around, like how most people wave around their focus, nothing happens. <laughs> That's so true. So simple. It's so true. That concept, right? Yeah. So, the, so that whole concept of the cheat meal after you're like a whole week of dieting, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it's just a dopamine fix for people because uh -huh. they don't have, they don't have, or haven't found, they have it. They just haven't found a different way of rewarding themselves, right? See, like our society is, is because we are set up um, as a society to have such high expectations, mm -hmm. right? That leads to disappointment. 
So my friend Sharif, I don't even know he realizes that he said this and it stuck with me my entire life since university. His dad told him this. So shout out to Big Mo. His dad said that the vehicle to disappointment is expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one was, of the things. Yeah, I was once told it takes a lot of expectations to make a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So part of it is like um, not having these expectations. Expectations are because things never turn out the way we expect them to. Mm. They usually turn out better than we expect them to, if we're willing to see, you know, that that's the case. However, they never turn out exactly how we expect. So we're always disappointed. Mm. And when we live in that state of disappointment, we don't fill that reward loop. And so we then, now we seek, okay, where am I going to get that dopamine fix from? Uh uh So one way to increase dopamine is to actually donate money. So you can find your favorite cause and donations and volunteering actually increases dopamine as well. So there's positive ways that we can elevate our dopamine. We, we all know how good we feel. Even if when you give a homeless person a dollar, like you feel instantly, you feel good. Yeah, right? that's true. And like sometimes imagine, you feel selfish because you feel good. You know, you're like, oh, okay. So I actually did it for me, not really for them. Yeah. <laughs> it's a way to take win. a selfie, right? <laughs> Just like they take a selfie when they're eating cheesecake, right? So it, <laughs> uh, it fills that dopamine. It feels that reward center, right? And imagine spending 50, taking 50 bucks, breaking it up into loonies or toonies or dollar bills, wherever you live, and giving that out to 50 people. Think about how amazing you're going to feel after that versus spending $50 on a meal that destroys you, makes you feel like crap, undoes all the work that you did, makes you feel like a failure afterwards, mm-hmm. right? Because now you're like, oh man, I knew I suck. Mm-hmm. And when you say a cheat meal, who are you cheating? Like yeah. when you were cheating on your math test, who are you cheating? You were cheating yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And when you have a cheat meal, who are you cheating? You're not cheating your coach. You're not cheating your functional medicine practitioner. You're not cheating your doctors you're basically cheating yourself out of living your best possible life. And that's not to say that I'm perfect. I don't expect anyone else to, to be perfect, but you know, there's certain things, certain lines that we have to draw on the sand, right? So you'll never see me for yeah. as long as I can imagine eating like something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. I haven't, you know, I've been pretty good about this I, in the last, uh, since Devin was born. So in the last 10 years, I've only had gluten once and it was at my friend's 40th birthday party, and it was just one tiny bite. So even I'm not perfect, but that's where I draw the line in the sand, right? There's certain things that I will not compromise on. And I'm not like that with everything, but there's got to be certain things in our life that are non-negotiable. So, you know, for me, I found a reward center that works for me. I, I've using that reward center of donation and contribution built, you know, several buildings and facilities and um, you know, hospitals and things like that. I've also accumulated nice, you know, heirloom level quality stuff for myself that I pass on to my son. And so, you know, for me, I found something that works for me. And that doesn't have to be what works for everybody else, but find what works for you and make sure we're closing that loop. Um, and then the other thing with um, motivation and, you know, mindset is really knowing what it is that we want, knowing what our North Star is. Okay. And most people don't know what that is. They don't know what they want. So they're, it's almost like plugging in directions into a GPS, right? You have to know exactly where you want to go. Not kind of where you want to go. You have to know exactly where you want to go because then the GPS can make calculated decisions for you. But if you're constantly changing the address, right, or you don't know where you're going, you're going to be in trouble. And then the other thing using the GPS and car analogy again is that we have to have short feedback loops. 
So we have to have short feedback loops that tell us we're on the right track, right? So if your GPS updated every five minutes, you could be driving in the wrong direction for five minutes, mm-hmm. right? It's updating every few seconds to make sure that you're moving and traveling in the right direction. And we kind of expect it to do that. So we have to find you know, ways that we can kind of have our own internal GPS to make sure we're moving in the right direction. So how are we measuring that is going to be differential based on the goals. But you know, for me, it's like, if I'm trying something new or doing something different, I'm going to be looking at my aura ring scores. I'm going to be looking at my, you know, checking into subjectively how I feel. If it's a business goal, I'm going to be checking in with, you know, what are the numbers looking like, right? What are the outcomes and the results looking like? So we have to have some way of, of uh, measuring our success and the shorter the feedback loop, the better because it reinforces the behavior. So it's setting, it's about setting these goals and then having some sort of tracking system, whether it's the aura, which measures like health metrics or business goals or professional goals or even relationship goals. So having mm-hmm. sort of that milestone where you check in and you see whether or not you're on the right track or else you pivot or you turn around or you, you know, as Kevin O'Leary, I think says, you shoot the dog in the backyard or something, <laughs> kill the idea or kill the plan type of thing, right? So we right. often do that for our own personal goals. It's more sort of business oriented as an entrepreneur, really, not even just a professional. I don't think they do. They do have performance reviews, but I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. not really. Yeah. And sometimes we have to have our own metrics, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I look at it as I'm not looking for external validation, Mm -hmm. I'm looking for internal validation, right? Mm -hmm. What are the things that I, what are the metrics that I can control? I I don't think anyone's going to get excited about my HRB being 92 last night. (laughs) Only I can really get excited about that, right? Maybe if I'm working with somebody, they might get excited about it. Well, we've got to find those things. And then, you know, kind of closing the loop just for the listeners and, and making sure I answer your question, which is how do we use the brain, uh, you know, as a reality generator? Yeah. So there's a study of something called cymatics. And cymatics is basically how frequency organizes matter. So I could have a vibrational plate, tune it into a specific frequency, and I will see the sand on that plate organize itself in a very beautiful, majestic way and a very reproducible, um, but not predictable way. And then as I increase the frequency, the shapes will start getting more and more complicated. And what I'll also notice is that, you know, as I increase the frequency, I increase the complexity. So then it begs the question, what's the most complex structure in the, in the entire universe that we are aware of? Because that structure would be vibrating at the highest frequency. And if I know that frequency can arrange and organize matter, then I can, I can close that loop and answer that question. And I'm in the possession of that very tool, which is the mind, right? The human mind and the human brain is the most complex structure that we know of physically. And therefore, it's vibrating at the highest frequency. And therefore, it has a capability of organizing matter. However, it can only do that if I hold that frequency. And that frequency is our thought, right? We can measure thought frequencies. We can attach electrodes to people's heads and we can see, we don't, we don't always know what they're thinking just yet. Eventually we will, but we can see that there are electrical impulses that are coming off of that person's brain every time they think or have a thought. And that is propagating that electrical frequency into the entire universe, into the entire cosmos. And when that happens, and when we can stay focused on something, it's like that sand reorganizing itself. And so that magnificent obsession, which is what Napoleon Hill talks about in Think and Grow Rich, that's the secret. 
right? It's, it's really, it should have been called focus and grow rich, not think and grow rich. Because if we can focus on something and have that be obsessed about it and think about it morning, day and night, our brain is actually propagating all the signals that it needs to, to organize that sand exactly how it needs to. Okay. And so, um, this is like, like when you see this, like, and there's uh, a YouTube and, video on this, right? Yeah. 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 People can look up cymatics and they'll, they'll kind of see the sand kind of changing shapes and stuff like that. Uh, but it sounds so simple and so ridiculous that most people won't do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And this is what the secret is all about. You know, they call it the law of attraction. It's actually not the law of attraction. It's the law of attention. And so we have to, you know, put our attention on something and then pay attention as it's manifesting. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're drawing it in. Like you can't just sit in the back and meditate and expect everything to, you know, to work itself out. You still got to do the work, right? You still got to be vibrating, right? Just like, just like that sound, just like that speaker is vibrating at a specific frequency. That vibration is putting our atoms or putting our molecules, putting our body to work. And so it's work, but then, you know, working to a certain frequency holding that frequency in our mind, obsessing over it, right? In a positive way. And that, you know, the moment we start thinking about other stuff is a moment we're not building that reality anymore. The yeah. channel is changing, right? The frequency on the sand on the speaker is changing. And what, what we see when the, the sand is changing from one frequency to the other and reorganizing itself, if you were to pause right in the middle, it just looks like a big mess. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what most people's lives look like. They look, it just looks like a big mess. Mm-hmm, yeah, right? or you're so, taking the magnifying glass out of that focus area, right? So, so, and so you can do this through meditation, but not only through thought, but also you need to feel it emotionally, right? There needs to be that law of vibration, which is the law of frequency, and you need to bring that positive emotion into it. You can't just think your way positively through life because it's not going to happen like you really need to embody that with your emotion right well you definitely want to be positive right just like i can't um i can't steer the wheel if the car isn't moving right it's not going to go anywhere right i got to put my foot on the gas right and even if you look at the word emotion it has motion in it yeah right so there has to be motion like nothing happens until something moves yeah. And that's what Albert Einstein said, right? Nothing happens until something moves. So you got to get off your butt, right? And, <laughs> yeah. you know, yes, you can, yes, you can uh, set a positive intention. And while I'm moving around, I can be focused on what I want to create, right? So while I'm gardening, right, I'm being present to what I'm doing, but I'm also thinking about how do, how do I want this day to look? How do I want this week to look? How do I want this life to look? And I'm not focusing on how that's going to happen. I'm focusing on what it is that I want. See, most people get fo- get so caught up in how, yeah, that they think their way out of their their vision, right? They're like, "Oh, I can't do that," or "I can't do that," or "How am I going to do that?" How am I going to do this? And so that's where they sabotage themselves because their focus is on the wrong things. Their focus is on their incapabilities instead of what they're actually trying to create. And they're attracting more of that because they're focusing on it, right? Well, they're not attracting it, right? They're creating it. They're creating it. Yes, yes. So the mind is a projector, right? Mm -hmm. It projects into the future. So think about it this way. I'll give you a very crude example. If I want to move my hand, I have to think of it first, Mm -hmm. right? So I I used to do this little video. Um, I won't do it now because my wife will be mad at me. But if I take a spoon and I bend it, Uh right? So I'll hold a spoon up and I'll say, who wants to see me bend this spoon with my mind? (laughs) 
right? Mm-hmm. And people are expecting, you know, like staring at people are expecting me to see the spoon bending without me doing anything. And I take the spoon and I bend it. I'm like, my mind did that. Yeah. Initially. Right? My mind controlled my limbs mm-hmm. and it bent that spoon, right? So our mind is controlling all of our actions. It's controlling all of our behaviors. It's controlling all of our thoughts. And it's so fantastically capable when we do the work. So that law of attention, would you, when would you do it? Is it something that you do before you go to bed in the morning or just sort of whenever you get a chance? That to All the time. Focus? Okay. All so the if, you want, if you want to win the NBA championship, oh. are you just going to think about that sometimes? You're going to think about it always, mm. right? That's you, everything you do. Every time you dribble the ball, that's all you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, again, a magnificent obsession. Mm-hmm. Right. What is it that you're so obsessed about that it consumes your thoughts? And, you know, for some people, it's hard to know what that is, right? Because they're so far removed from what that actually is. But uh, that's where, you know, time in nature, that's where white space, that's where listening to that inner voice that we all have, right? What is it that I want to do with my life? Mm-hmm. And only then does it even make sense to be healthy. Mm. right? Like if you have a car and you don't know where you want to drive it, why even have a car? Mm, that's right. So- like, you know, why check how much oil is in the, in the engine or how much gas is in the tank or if the tires have air, if the car is just going to sit there on the driveway. You have nowhere to go. Yeah. You have nowhere to go. Right. Mm. So let's first figure out where we want to go. Mm. Right. And then when we understand where we want to go, what we will realize is that in every vision that we have of us being in that moment, we are healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I were to say, Rita, I want you to visualize your dream vacation. And then I were to turn the focus back onto you, you would not be sick and tired and in pain and just completely exhausted. You'd be the healthiest version of you. Of course. Yeah. Now, here's the thing if you need to be the healthiest version of you in that vision, why not just start there now? Mm-hmm. Right? Why not start becoming the healthiest version of you now? Because you know that that's a prerequisite for you to be in that reality that you're trying to create. And that's the thing that you can control and take action over immediately. Or right? I can decide in the next five minutes, okay, do I want to breathe through my nose or do I want to breathe through my mouth? Do I want to go for a quick walk right now and energize my body? Right? Do I want to go home and tell my kids how much I love them? Right? Or do I want to go home and tell my partner or you know, call my parents up and just tell them how much I appreciate them? Do I want to you know, journal in the morning and express gratitude? I mean, you can do those things. They don't cost you any money, but we know they make you feel better and do better. And we know that that better version of you or that healthy, uh, bright, you know, shining light version of you is the version of you in every single one of your dreams so why not start there and start building that? Because that's the person that's going to build that dream. That's the person that's going to build that reality. It's not just going to magically happen. You've got to be there doing it and coordinating it and, and kind of mobilizing every molecule in the entire universe in order for that to happen. And you know, just going back to this idea of um, you know, people are like, man, Sachin, this sounds so crazy, but just remember where we all come from. We are quantumly entangled with every single atom in the entire universe. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and this is not woo woo. This is science. Now. This is science, right? Whether you yeah, believe in Big proven. Bang, right? Whether you believe in the Big Bang or whether you believe in, a, you know, a grand creator or this universal vibration, whatever it is, we are quantumly entangled with all of it. So what makes me not think the idea that I can't control the entire universe actually is illogical, right? So I can control every single atom in this entire universe 
but only for as long as I focus on it. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Super helpful. Really, really good tips. Thank you, Sachin. I'm, I'm actually curious, what is the best advice that you've been given? And I know, you know, so many great people and just so, yeah, I kind of wanted to pick your brain on that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that question. So the, the people that have had the biggest impact on me are my parents. And, you know, of course, naturally, because they raised me right between zero and eight. And so naturally our parents or our guardians have the biggest impact on us. But the earliest memory that I can think of, uh, you know, my dad, it's, it's really funny. So I used to be a barber. Well, I still am, I guess. I still cut people's hair. Now I now it's like a second it's a second career with everything that's going on. And um and so my my mom came home one day from work and my garage had these big speakers, we're playing music, there's like this huge mirror in there. I'm cutting people's hair. There's a lineup outside the garage. And it was my first business. I'm like 16 years old, okay? Nice. <laughs> so my dad, you know, my dad wakes up the next day and he's like, "You know your mom was crying last night." And I said, "Why? What did I do?" And, um, and she's like, well, she thinks you're going to become a barber when you grow up. So she's like, so worried about you. And she's like, so concerned that you're not going to go to school and you're going to do this. And I'm like, okay, like that wasn't my plan. I just needed, I just wanted money to buy stuff. Right. When you're a kid and, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the conversations. It's a, for me, it's a short dopamine loop because I can see the yeah. result of my effort efforts and people leave, uh, feeling amazing afterwards. So it was, it brought me joy. And uh, I thought it was a good use of my time, right? I could be doing a whole bunch of other things that teenagers, you know, trouble teenagers get themselves into. And here I just have it, had a business. And um, my dad said, under his breath, he said this, he says, at least I don't have to worry about you going hungry. Mm. And so that gave me permission for the rest of my life to just put myself out there. And my unconscious brain says, well, hey, shit, it's a fan. You can always be a barber. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like you have that natural skill set that you could do that, right? So that's like my worst case scenario. And I love that, right? Like if you were to say, hey, like, you know, listen, you can't do what you do anymore. What's your next uh, occupation of choice? I would I would work as a barber, okay? <laughs> and so and so that was my worst case scenario. And that situation really helped me. And then a few years later, when I was a chiropractor, I remember my wife Deepa was massaging my hands. So you know, when you're working on, on athletes, like it takes a toll on your body. And my my, it's almost embarrassing when my hand uh, doesn't look as muscular as it used to. But my hands used to be muscular. So I used to have this like massive thumb pad because we're using our thumb to really work on people's uh, soft tissues, especially athletes and their lower legs and glutes and hamstrings and stuff like that. So the end of the day, doing that for eight hours, you're just like spent. And so you've met Deepa and, you know, she's this tiny little woman. She's about a hundred pounds and she would have to massage my hands at the end of the day because I was in so much pain. And I was telling my mom this and she said, you know what, you really need to use your head more than your hands. Mm-hmm. and figure out a way that you can do that. And I felt so trapped as a chiropractor, as a traditional, you know, structural chiropractor, because I didn't know what else I could do with myself. And that's when functional medicine really opened up the doors for me because I realized, oh, there is a way for me to help people uh, in, in as just a meaningful, if not more meaningful way by using my head instead of using my hands. So those are like two pieces of advice that I thought were and really like echo inside of me every single day and, and give me the reassurance that, hey, as long as I have a good, healthy mind, I'll always be of value to people. 
and to myself as well and my family. And my worst case scenario is being a barber. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> I love that. So instrumental in who you are today. I can just see how that's impacted you so positively. So amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Kudos to your parents. Good job. <laughs> so just to sort of wrap up in terms of, can you share with us, what are your top three favorite self-care habits? I know you have many, so just top three. <laughs> Sure, sure. I'll tell you what I do pretty much every day that I think is very accessible to people and um, you know very simple that people can do. So the first thing I like to do is when I wake up in the morning is I like to do some breath work. And I listen to a track from East Forest called it's called the Meditation for Chaotic Times. It's about 15 minutes long. And what I'll do is I'll practice some slow breathing and some Qigong. So just kind of getting that energy center uh, moving, like just being centered, focused with my breath. And I'll percolate and let my thoughts, you know, kind of run their course. And then I'll, you know, once I've processed everything, then I'll start, you know, projecting my thoughts into what I want the day to look like. And then I do something called Surya Namaskar, which is sun salutations. Mm -hmm. And so it's a yoga flow. It's 12 different movements. And I do that while listening to something called the Hanuman Chalisa, which is a, it's a prayer. It's a Hindu, uh, the monkey God, which most people might recognize Hanuman as, but Hanuman is the breath of Ram and Ram is the fire inside all of us. So Hanuman would be the, you know, molecular equivalent or atomic equivalent to oxygen. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they refer to Hanuman as the son of the wind. So I'm doing that while I'm doing my yoga and that kind of invites in this beautiful new day and new dawn. And then uh, as many days as possible, I will do some cold uh, therapy as well. So uh, at the end of uh, my shower, I'll turn the water on full blast cold, or I will jump in the pool. i not jump in the pool. I actually settle into it and do about five to eight minutes of uh, you know controlled slow breathing while I'm in there, putting my body under a stressor while overriding my nervous system with my breath so that I can become more resilient. So it's really about like, how do I make my mind more resilient and impermeable to thoughts? How do I, you know, you know, wake up my physical body by tapping into my breathing? And then how do I create a more resilient nervous system by putting myself in a controlled stressor, but then overriding that stressor with, uh, you know, my, my breath. Amazing. Those are really, really cool. <laughs> How long are you in the shower for with the cold water? I'm still at like probably 15 seconds. <laughs> well, so here's a, here, yeah, no, here's the thing. It's not a contest, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's more about like what, what, is you, what works for you, right? What creates that response? So I would say for me, it's, a, it's about 30 to 60 seconds. Um, but I can go much longer. So I've spent like up to eight minutes in a completely zero degree, you know, water and just sat there calmly, like, you know, it's almost like you're almost like frozen in space, it feels like, but you completely become completely disconnected with your body. And, um, and so what I do when I'm in the cold shower is I will focus on my breathing. Mm -hmm. So I'll try to take slow breaths, six seconds in, six seconds out. That's mm -hmm. harder to do than most people might think. Mm -hmm. And then I'm telling myself, I'm pretending in my mind that I'm the water and I'm asking, I'm the, I'm the water asking myself, why is he so hot? <laughs> Instead of asking, why is the water so cold? Reverse. I'm pretend I'm reversing it and asking the mm -hmm. pretending I'm the water who has consciousness, which, which it does. And then asking it, why is he so hot? <laughs> right? Why is he so warm? 
right? Mm. And just flipping the script. And I find that that makes a big difference. And one of the things with the cold shower is once you realize you're not going to die, yeah, <laughs> right? Like what's the worst case scenario? You're going to be cold. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And in fact, the colder you get, the more you're going to actually heat up internally, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to kind of light that fire from the inside. So once I've kind of committed to not dying by doing this and, and going through that self-realization, the only thing I'm going to be is uncomfortable. Yeah. But guess what? All, all growth is uncomfortable, right? Remember, your dreams go to die in your comfort zone. And what's really great about taking a cold shower is it's one of the ways to increase dopamine. And you feel like such a great rush and a sense of accomplishment when you're done because of that. And it's so great for your cardiovascular system, your lymphatic system. And I would say for your emotional system as well, because you're doing something that less than 1% of people are going to do that day. And also, like, it's amazing how your body adapts so quickly, mm-hmm. you know? So, you just kind of, okay, you get that first, like, hit of cold water. And in Canada, because I tried this in Dubai, and I was like, oh, I can do, like, 30 seconds. But their mm-hmm. water's not like ours. Ours is really cold, especially in the winter. Oof. Yeah. So, when I when it hits you, and then you just sort of settle in, you're like, okay, I can actually take a little bit more of this, right? So, it's yeah. amazing how quickly your body adapts. So, one thing I found that could be helpful for those of people that are starting out is just meet yourself where you are. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's cute. Cause I'll see my wife, like when, if I get into the shower after her, I'll see that she's dialed it down just a little bit, but then I'll crank it all the way down. Um, so it's kind of neat to see where her comfort zone is, but at least she's doing the work. Mm-hmm. And then you can also um, shower certain body parts. Yeah. So you might want to just put your arm in first, right. And then put the other arm in and then put one leg in, put the other leg in, put your front, put your back in. Uh, so you can always, you know, kind of rotate where that cold water is going. So you don't feel like the shockingly, uh, cold water hitting your entire body simultaneously. And then eventually you can work your way up to that, but mm-hmm. yeah, start, you know, start anywhere. It could be going from super hot to then, uh, as cold as you can possibly tolerate. And then maybe we adjust the temperature as you go. So maybe you go down to a temperature that you can do for a minute, right. And then instead of changing the time, you change the temperature over yeah. time. That's good. Very good tip. I love that. So thank you again. Let's wrap up. Where can people find you? Well, they can find me right here. <laughs> um, so you know, there's, there's a few ways that people can connect. One is uh, through a program we have called 30 and 30. So it's uh, 30 ways in 30 days. They go to www.30in30.org. And that outlines like 30 of some of my best tips that I can offer. And uh, it's a great place to start. Most of the interventions that I give people are absolutely free. And uh, that gives people the ability to, you know, start their health, healing, uh, and mindset journey. And uh, get they get to connect with me a little bit deeper that way as well. So that's a good place for people to start. And if they're looking for, you know, kind of a total transformation, then they can go to our website at becomeproof.com. Awesome. Thank you. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. So people can access that even quicker. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was an awesome conversation. I had so much fun, so much learning, so much, so many insights, awesome practical tips. Thank you, Sachin. Uh, I want to thank you for what you're doing for me in the practice, uh, perfect mentorship. I want to thank you what you're doing for the world and humanity and just like keep doing what you're doing. I'm so blessed and grateful that we've connected and I'm sure we'll stay connected for the foreseeable future. So thanks again for coming on and taking, um, you know, sharing this space with us and our listeners. Thank you, Rita. Thanks for creating this platform and this uh, safe space to share this information. And 
you know, I, I, I love having this, uh, you know, conversation and conversations like this that can impact people in such a positive way. So keep up the great work on your end. And, you know, I'm so inspired by everything that you're doing as well. So thank you. Thank you. Have yourself an awesome day. Ciao. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking part of your day and sharing it with me by listening to this amazing podcast episode. I would also like to thank our sponsors, St. Lucian Seamoss. Check them out and get some awesome Seamoss at www.stlucianseamoss.co. If you enjoyed this podcast and it was helpful, please share it with your loved ones or a friend and check out SavoyaSelfCare.com for more amazing wellness tips. Please also leave us a rating now on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot and send it to info at SavoyaSelfCare.com. We will reply with a gift as a grateful thank you. If you want to upgrade your healthy living and take it to the next level, be sure to join us next week. And remember, self-care is not selfish, it's self-love. Ciao for now.